The song that they were singing is probably one of mine. There's a couple that I, I, that I put on my top list and open my eyes, Lord, that I want to see you, you know, that I want to see Jesus. And many times we don't recognize that Jesus is here. He's around us. He's with us. I think of Mother Teresa as she was walking down the streets. There was a, a missionary friend, a missionary that I know that was with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. And they were walking down the street with her. And it was quite a privilege to be there in this, you know, in the ghettos, as it were, of Calcutta. And she's walking down the street and she says, oh my, there's Jesus. And she went over to this man who was lying in the doorway dying. And uh, she held him and comforted him. And she was saying how much this is Jesus. And... You know, the missionary that told this story was very much taken back by the spirit that, of, of Mother Teresa and how that uh, her compassion and her, her care for people was just something, you know, just astounding that she would be able to take care of so many people and, and help so many underprivileged individuals. And I was thinking of the message today, and it's, the title of my message is My Life Matters. My life matters. Now, I would like you to say that with me, the words, my life matters. Okay, you ready? My life matters. Do it again. My life matters. Now, did you have any objections in your head after you said that? <laughs> Do you have any objections that you would say to yourself, not really, it doesn't really matter that much, I'm just me. You know, it's just me being here and I'm not that important. Well, I want us to understand that to God, our life matters. And that if God has that feeling, God has that knowledge of our life, that we are important to him, then we need to put aside those degrading, those voices inside of us that would tell us that we're not that important. Because if my life doesn't matter, then my actions don't matter. Then my attitude doesn't matter, and what I do is not that important. But you see, if my life matters, what I do then is important. What I think is important. Where I go is important. And the activities, whether they be academic or um, athletic or you know, whether it's in the library or in the, in the gymnasium, my life matters. And what I do is important because God has a plan. God has a purpose. And so what is important to you and what is important to God need to be the same things. <laughs> they need to be synonymous. So how do I really feel about that statement, my life matters? Everything we do, everything we think, everything that we touch matters. Now, we know that it has varying degrees of importance. We know that it is important for you to take a bath and a shower at least once a day, <laughs> at least once a month, <laughs> at least once a year. <laughs> And so you see how that and it matters because there are people around you that will discover how good it is that you depart. <laughs> and you get out of their presence because you stink. 
Uh, so uh, you'll be like Lazarus. God, he stinketh. Let him alone in the grave. So uh, it does matter. Now, the question is, does it matter then enough to change? Now, we're not talking about, you know, I want you to uh, go to China or I want you to go to South America and you need to change where you live. And no, we need to recognize that where we are at is, is, is okay because it's where we're at. But we need to look at how that we can take who we are and improve on it. How that we can take who we are and build on it. Because if everything that we have and everything that we are doing is the top and there is nothing better, then we've kind of reached a plateau that says, this is it. <laughs> and I don't think in our life we've ever reached a plateau where we have arrived. <laughs> you know, stand back. I want you to know I've arrived. <laughs> you know, if you, you ever meet some people, you think they have arrived, you know. They're so stuck on themselves, they can't see beyond themselves. But the, the idea is if our life matters, then the, the God is in the process of our continual growth, our continual development. And it's, it's intellectually, it's spiritually, it's physically, it's what we do and what we're about. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 10, it's not in the list of scriptures that I gave you, so please hold on, uh, Jose. Uh, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So with the heart we believe, and with the mouth confession is made, so that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So what we say is important. So if I matter, then what I say matters. And I, was, I read this in the Message Bible, Romans 8, 9 to 10, same text. It said, it is the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work for us. Let me get that straight. God works for us. <laughs> we would say, no, 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 I work for God. No, God works for us. And how does he work for us? He works for us by the faith that he gives us. He gives to every man a measure of faith. God has given us a measure of faith so that our faith would develop and grow and our faith then calls into existence that which does not exist. And we can't make that happen. Only God can make that happen. So we are asking God then to be involved in our life in a way that is going to make a difference for eternity. My life matters. So it is, it is the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work for us and set things right for us. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. He's going to work for me, and things are going to be right for me. That's a pretty tall order. <laughs> things are, God's going to work on my behalf, and that he's going to help me and help things get in the right order. And it says, say the welcoming word to God. So faith, then, is welcomes God to, our, to work for us, set things right for us, and say the welcoming word to God. God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. So all of this has a purpose. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal bodies. We often think of that and quote it, that 
in death that the spirit, the trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise, will come back to life. And the life, our spirit that is in heaven, will be reunited with our body and we will live forever in a resurrected body. We often think of it in that sense that God is going to quicken this mortal body, but he is quickening this mortal body right here and now. He's going to quicken it so that we can think godly thoughts. He's going to quicken it so that we have understanding. He's going to quicken it so that we have the ability and bring about the physical abilities. You know, um, Elisha, no, Elijah ran ahead of the chariots. <laughs> he ran faster than a horse pulling a chariot. He had some physical abilities. That man could run. <laughs> and he was a prophet. <laughs> and he could run. He could outrun the chariots and the horses. The horses and the chariot. Okay. When I got the horse before I had the cart before the horse. Chariot before the horse. Okay, keep on preaching, Pastor. <laughs> so God's work of doing in us what he did in, in Christ, raising him from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. So our faith then is trusting God to work in and for us. Now, we can't say, we can't, okay, God, let me sign a contract here. I, I want you to do this this week, and I want you to do that this week. No. Um, at our conference, we were at, that was this week, wasn't it? <laughs> Seems so long ago. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, we were at a uh, conference, and uh, the guy that spoke there was from uh, Springfield. He's uh, General Secretary of the Assemblies of God. He's a very dynamic individual, and he started out as an engineer. <laughs> he went to college to be an engineer, and uh, uh, after he graduated as an engineer, he started to be in charge of the Chi Alpha Group, which is where Cliff's granddaughter... Cassie is involved in the Chi Alpha group where she goes to college, and this guy was involved in the Chi Alpha group and became the leader of it whenever he was in college, in which he ended up going into the ministry and changing from being an engineering student to be uh, a pastor and, the, and the, being a preacher. But he, he spoke about this. He was, his thinking, he says he still thinks as an engineer. Whenever he reads the scriptures and he reads the Bible and he's presenting, he presents the gospel as an engineer, he says. He, he breaks things down and he puts things together and how that they work. And he was so involved as this engineer in, in trying to make things happen that he had to literally say, and this is what he, his words were, that he had to stop back, he had to step back and say, God, you have a problem. <laughs> and uh, this is the problem. And God, I'm here to help you if you need. <laughs> so rather than saying, God, I've got this problem, I've got to do this, I've got to get these people straightened out, I've got to do, organize this group, I've got to lead this group, I've got to be a good speaker, I've got to win more people. For the, he said that type of mentality was driving him crazy <laughs> and wearing him out after a couple of years. He was just this extremely intelligent, overactive, type A personality, and he had to just kind of stop and say, God, you have a problem. Not rather, I got a problem, I got to solve. No, God, you have a problem. Now, how am I going to work with you 
to solve this problem. And so whenever we are struggling in our relationships or trying to make a dream happen, trying to bring something that is out there in front of us, uh, trying to make it come to fruition, make it happen, we need to just kind of pause. Are you frustrated <laughs> trying to make someone else change? I always love that one. If you're trying to make somebody else different, uh, don't do that. It won't work. You just get frustrated. Um, you, may, you may mean well. You may have good goals and good ideas, but you see, my life matters, but so does their life matter. And making somebody like me is not the goal. It's helping people become more like Christ. So in, in Psalm 37, David, he, not me, not my son, <laughs> David, King David, wrote a vivid contrast between the wicked person and the righteous person. So to David, whenever he write, wrote Psalm 37, it mattered. It mattered enough for him to put together two contrasting ways of thinking and two contrasting ways of believing. So your life matters. How do we, how do we start then? How do, where do we begin? If our life matters, let's begin at verse 1. How about that? Psalm 37, verse 1. Your life matters, so the first thing you have to stop doing is... Don't bother your little head. <laughs> um, the King James Version, I'm sorry, I had a King James Version there too, but uh, the King James Version says, fret not yourself. <laughs> stop fretting. Okay, fretting means um, to grieve, to be troubled, to be displeased. So fret not yourself because of evildoers. Don't get upset with the people who are wicked and get ahead. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. He says, do not bother your little head about braggarts. Don't get upset or wish you could succeed like they do. The first thing is, get yourself, get your head around this problem. Don't fret. Okay? Don't get your, don't get your, your little head in an uproar, you know. <laughs> Just calm down. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Life is more than clothes and possessions and things. And that what comes can go very, just as easily. Um, you know, one of the things that... I don't know, he was talking at the, the, the seminar we were at. He said this recent lottery, you, the chances of winning the lottery, he said if you took pennies and put them side by side and, and went across from Seattle to Miami and you put pennies together the whole way to that distance and you marked one of them, that was your chances of winning. <laughs> you know, so some people will, and again, you know, the chances of something happening by chance, hmm. The, the psalmist, no, the psalmist proverb says time and chance are to, to each person. So that whenever we are looking at our relationship with God, we are not lucky. <laughs> you know, can I be lucky enough to win? Can I be lucky enough to know that I've been chosen? <laughs> I have been chosen by God to be me. That is the greatest privilege that we have, to be you, 
Because God has made you with your own fingerprints, with your own personality, with your own giftings. Now, where we fall short is to say, these are my giftings and these are someone else's. I wish I had theirs. (laughs) And God says to us, no, you don't. Because if you were like them, that would be a burden to your life. God has made you so specific for you that he has put together your life in such a way that there was no one else like you. That's how privileged you are to be you. And the talents and the, and the giftings and the knowledge and the experience you have is so, it's invaluable because you matter. <laughs> if it wasn't important, these things would not have been in place for you to become you. So don't get upset about being you, where you are at, and what's going on in your life, because God has a plan for who you are, where you are, and where you are going. So we don't have to change anything. Imagine that. We don't have to change ourselves to be acceptable to God. God accepts us for who we are, where we are, and the person we are. Come home running. (laughs) The prodigal son came to an understanding that I'm better off with my father than I am here in the pig pen. And in our life, we understand that I am better off with God than I am any place else in life. And I am exactly who I need to be for God to work in my life the way that I need to be to meet the needs of the people that I'm going to touch and be. So we're in this place of, in this position of privilege. So he says, don't, don't get all worked up. Don't get, your, you don't get your eyes off onto the people who are um, seemingly wealthy today and gone tomorrow. Verse, tr- verse 3 says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Rely upon God. Now, God is working for you, not against you. See, God is working for you. He's not against you. He's not against your life. That's why you have these problems. These problems are not against you, they are for you. They are to help us understand that we need more of God in our life to help us deal with these problems, people, situations that are difficult. So trust in the Lord, and what does he say? Do good. It's always within our ability to do good. We have the opportunity to help, to do good to people. And thou shalt dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. So it matters to you to do good, to help, to encourage, to be that person that comes alongside that people feel that they can trust God more because you're there. (laughs) Then verse 4 says, delight thyself in the Lord. (laughs) Delight. Take great pleasure in God. (laughs) Taking pleasure in God. In God. You know, we come together in church and, and, you know, we celebrate. We get, we talk and we do all, you know, get along very well and we do all those things. But that same type of delight is something we are to have with God. That we are to have this um, great pleasure in serving God. Because with God working in our life, we have the abilities that (laughs) spoke the world into existence are 
They're at our fingertips. They're at a, that's a, moment, a moment's prayer. God, I need your help. The world that was created, the world around us that was created by God, spoken into existence, that very God is at our beck and call. In fact, he's not out there somewhere, he's in here. And he can inspire our thoughts and our words to be able to look at things and be able to distinguish what are the needs and what really is important and what isn't. Hmm. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. If everything we desired were given to us, would it be a hindrance or would it be a blessing? (laughs) If everything we desired was given to us, would it be a hindrance or would it be a blessing? It's like the, what is that, Midas touch, the person, all gold, everything he touched turns to gold till he couldn't eat. (laughs) You know, he can't drink. Because everything he touches turns to gold, and he thought if he had gold, everything would be fine and perfect. But he ended up, <laughs> you know, this is, a bad, this is a bad thing, the Midas touch. <laughs> so what we desire, so if we delight ourselves in the Lord, then we'll, then we'll have the right desires, and, the, and God will give us the desires of our heart. So what are we looking after, and what is it that we really want? And God has you know for most of us and i think in all of our lives he's given us the ability or the desire to achieve or to have that thing for which we desire (laughs) you know what is it that we desire what is it that we want to know where is it that we want to go what is it that we want to have you know are we uh, are we about helping others helping ourselves what do we desire so if we delight ourselves in god meaning that I have, the, I have this pleasurable relationship with God. That the, the, the guy who created this place, he and I are good friends. <laughs> you know, the guy who put everything in the package here, you know, while I was yet in my mother's womb, God put in there what I would need. The guy who put all this stuff in here, he and I are good friends. And he's helping me to take this package, this mental, physical package and to integrate his word into it and between the word and the spirit and me god is doing a work in us to create a desire that god wants to fulfill you see it matters to god it matters to god what we desire because he wants to give us the desires of our heart Hmm. delight means to take great pleasure in so Verse 5, what's he telling us there? You need committed. (laughs) Is that what he's saying? You need committed. Committed where? (laughs) You know, uh, there's a place over in Blairsville. (laughs) You know, you need to go there for a while. You need committed. Well, no. Commit thy way. Entrust everything to God, to the Lord. So, Commit thy way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So you think of these two verses. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord, trust him, and he will bring it to pass. David is telling us that 
what we are, who we are is important and what we desire and what we are praying for, what we are trusting for, God is just anxiously waiting to bring it to pass. God wants to bring this to pass in our life. So it's important that what we want, what we desire, is really in accordance with what God wants to create. What he wants to create. He shall bring it to pass. Be willing, be willing to wait upon the Lord. And, and waiting is not necessarily the passing of time. It is, it is the um, expectancy. It is waiting, you know, like a child, a mother being pregnant. She has to wait for the birth, meaning that she has to, the baby has to develop to the point where there is, um, where she is able to deliver a child and the baby is developed to the point of the nine months and that, you know, comes out a developed child. <laughs> we, when David Michael was born, the doctors were going on vacation, and so they didn't want Rhonda to go into labor for, for David to be born, so they scheduled David's C-section probably two mo- a month ahead of time because they didn't want to be away, and they were going on vacation, so she had David a month early. <laughs> yeah, the pediatrician at that time, you know, that was how they did things. And, and you know, and, the, the ba- and David as a baby wouldn't eat. And the nurses came in, and they were scolding Rhonda because she didn't feed him properly because he wouldn't eat. Well, then the nurse took him, and he wouldn't eat. <laughs> he wasn't, you know, he didn't take after his father because, you know, his father loves to eat. You know, but, uh, but uh, David, you know, even whenever he was growing up, he just didn't like to eat very much, you know. So anyhow, it was the pediatrician's problem, you know. It was his fault that David was like, you know. But Yeah, well, anyhow, there's a whole, you want to know the whole story? There it is. Okay. <laughs> face, 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 FaceTime, whatever. Facebook, what, ask Rhonda, she'll tell you the whole story. But anyhow, we all have the, you know, we, there is a natural process of waiting to the nine months. So waiting upon the Lord is that God is developing. You see, whenever we pray and what we desire, God is developing the whole child god is developing the gift and it isn't time yet for it to be born the child the gifting to be born and so it's important that what we desire that god wants to bring it to pass because you have value and what you desire is important what you think will help develop what is born. <laughs> you know, if you're going to run or play ball or play basketball, you know, sports, if you're going to you go out on the court and you're a basketball player, I'm going to miss this shot. Oh, see, I'm right. I'm going to miss this shot. Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> you know, I can, I can, I can be perfect <laughs> and miss everything. But you don't tell yourself you're going to miss you're going to shoot to make. You're going to, you, you get up there. It's like the, the little kid, he throws the ball in the air and he says, before he throws the ball in the air, he says, I'm the greatest hitter in all the world. Throws the ball up in the air and swings and misses it. Picks up the ball and more emphasis. He says, I'm going to hit the ball. <laughs> misses it. And he gets down there, he gets mad. And he says, you know what? I am going to hit this ball. 
I am the greatest hitter in the world. Throws the ball up in the air, swings and misses it. Drops the bat and he says, what do you know? I'm the greatest pitcher in all the world. <laughs> you got you to gotta be great at something, you know. So we, what do we say? My life matters. And because it matters, then what I think is important, what I say is important, what I do is important, and I, I, and I have to accomplish the giftings and use the giftings that God wants to do in my life. And verse 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, the rest is not sleeping. <laughs> rest is a confidence that we know that God is with us and he's going to see us through it. Jonah, whenever he's in the, in the belly of the, the great fish, the whale, there's, there's this dialogue that he has in the one chapter, and it talks about how that, you know, he, he's, he's forsaken, he's given up on God, but then he switches and he says, with my own eyes, I am going to see Jerusalem. In the middle of this being digested in the belly of this fish, he has this idea that he's going to live. He has this idea that he's going to finish and he's going to accomplish what God originally intended him to be. And he says, and with my own eyes, I'm going to see Jerusalem again. We don't know how long it was from then till the fish spewed him out on dry ground, but it happened. So resting in the Lord is that even in the midst of the difficulty, we are going to see that God is going to see us through. So cease from anger and forsake wrath. Don't get angry and upset. Don't fret, <laughs> fret not thyself. Don't get all fretty. <laughs> God wants to change our way from fretting to praying and worshiping. So there's this one quote that says, you are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. Now, our thoughts, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is that we are thinking God's thoughts, his word, and we're applying those words to our life, and we are not allowing our evildoer thoughts, you know, the guys who are getting away with all the bad stuff. We just let, you know, put them in pray, God, you, it's your hands, you have to take care of them, let's not get all upset over this. But God is at work in our life, and he's bringing to pass the good things, the great things that he has for us. So, <laughs> we develop a willingness to stick with things, sense of compassion. What else? I'm, I'm jumping here. Uh, I want to get to verse 23. <laughs> the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. You see, God is orchestrating. He's putting our steps together. He is helping me to take our, my next step. The, this, the scripture that I was, or the illustration that I want to leave with you is Daniel. Now, if you read uh, chapter 37 here, read it through and, and then think about Daniel. Daniel is, um, he's a very important man in, in, in the hierarchy of his government. He is, um, he is a captive. He's been taken from Jerusalem and taken to Babylon. And the people in Babylon don't like David or Daniel because he's too smart. <laughs> so they devise a way to get Daniel out of the government system. 
they see Daniel praise every day, three times a day. So they get the king to sign a decree. No one's allowed to pray for an entire month unless he asks of the king. Daniel prays and he has been framed. He's been set up by his own actions that he is doing good and people used his good to throw him into the lions. You see, sometimes we get caught doing the good and it doesn't seem like we get any good out of it. Well, don't lose, don't fret what's going on. Keep your faith in God. You know, when they framed Daniel, there's nothing said about what Daniel did. You know, like he didn't curse them, he didn't go kicking and screaming. He went to the lion's den because he was confident in his relationship with God, he was resting in God that God would take care of him. And it doesn't say that Daniel was fretting and worrying and, you know, they're lowering him into the lion's den. It doesn't say that he's kicking and screaming and cursing at the, at the lions. It's, it's, the picture we have is Daniel is in the lion's den and they can't open their mouth. Daniel could not stop the bad guys from framing him. But he could stay at peace because God would never leave him. And so... It was okay with Daniel if he died in the lion's den. And it was okay if Daniel, with Daniel if the lions couldn't eat him. He was okay with both. The one who fretted, who was fretting about Daniel, fretting, that's a good word. The one fretted, you know, that's a good, that's a good English word, right, teachers? <laughs> the, Daniel, he wasn't the one who was fretting over this. The king was. Because the king knew he was losing one of his best men in his kingdom. And what happened with Daniel? He stayed the night in the lion's den. They brought him out, and the people who set him up, they were fed to the lions. But you see, if you look at what we think, how we apply those thoughts to our actions, and how that our actions determine where we are going, that's what Psalm 37 is about. Don't get worked up over the bad guys. Keep your thoughts on God. Allow the peace of God, the word of God, the strength of God's word to be in your heart. And there's no telling where God is going to take you. You see, the sky's the limit. <laughs> there are limitless possibilities. Because when we move to this position of faith, we are in a plateau to choose. We choose and pray. We pray and choose and allow God's thoughts to be our thoughts. And then we say, God, you know, you, need, you have a problem here. <laughs> I'm going to be playing basketball. I'm going to be going to school. I'm going to be taking a test. I'm going to, I'm going to my job. I'm going to my work. You know, my money is out, you know, <laughs> I don't have enough money to pay my bills. God, you have a problem here. I don't need to wet, wet, fret, worry. God is going to help me with everything in my life. Amen? I am important. <laughs> my life is important. My life matters. Shall we stand? <laughs>
Okay, we're going to say it again. We started off with this. Three words, my life matters. Now let's do it again. Ready? My life matters. One more time. My life matters. Does it mean something more now than it did when you came in? <laughs> and the answer is yes. Everybody say yes. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> that's it. Yes, that's it. Preacher's done. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs>